September, I'm going to start a study on being on mission with God. It's a Henry Blackaby study. I'm going to teach that and go on that. Uh, and so um, I've been looking through that and planning on it. So next uh, few weeks, we'll just deal with uh, in Ecclesiastes. I may bounce around a little bit. Uh, go to chapter 11 of the book of Ecclesiastes. That's where we're going to be in verse 1. We're going to go over to Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Then we will go to uh, Ephesians 6, 9 and look at those. Because I want to talk to you about things. I, I hear this, and I've heard it for years, and it bothers me. And I don't know where it comes from. But some people want to say, well, we don't use the Old Testament. And it's irrelevant. Folks, I want you to know when God wrote the Old Testament, He had a purpose. And it was good enough for Jesus to quote because He didn't have the New Testament. And Jesus lived according to the Old Testament. He taught according to the Old Testament as well as the disciples, as well as Paul. And so whenever somebody tells you that it's irrelevant, they are wrong. They are wrong about that because it is relevant. From Genesis all the way through Malachi, you will see God's salvation, the blood sacrifice, and everything about it. It's as relevant as you just got to open your eyes to see it. And it just bothers me when I hear people talking about that. Even today, there was a guy sharing with me about a friend of his that somebody had told him that, we don't even listen to the, the gospel because Jesus was speaking to the Jews. We just listen to Paul because he was sent to the Gentiles. But what did Paul teach the Gentiles? The, the Jewish laws and the correct meaning of the laws. He taught them. The Jews did misunderstand and misinterpret the law because the law was never given for uh, salvation, it was given to reveal sin in your life. And what Jesus taught in the Gospels was the true meaning of what God was teaching in the Old Testament. And the reason God sent Paul to the Gentiles is because the uh, Peter and James and John and the other disciples were sent to the Jews. Paul was sent to the Gentiles so that they could understand and have access to the scriptures. So that was his purpose. Does everybody here understand what a, the difference between a Gentile and Jew? If you don't, let me know and I'll explain that. All right. All right. Jews are descendants of Abraham. In other words, there's a direct lineage from Abraham and Sarah all the way through, and that's the family tree. That's who a Jew is. Living in Israel does not make you a Jew. You're, you've got direct ties back to Abraham there. A Gentile is anybody else. If you're not descendants to Abraham, then you are a Gentile. It's not a negative turn. It's an identification of everybody contrary to the Jews. So uh, is there an emergency? Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, um, 
So that's the difference. So sometimes Gentiles were referred to by Jews and they spoken of in a negative sense because the Jews always, typical to humans, we're special. Because we're Jews, we're better than everybody else. Now that, Jesus confronted that and talked about that. But a Gentile is anybody that was not of the descendants of Abraham. And, and so uh, that that's the difference. And so you are a Gentile unless you can trace your family lineage back to Abraham. Now being born in Israel does not make you one. You've got to have the lineage there. Uh, there. And most people don't. Uh, most of y'all trace your lineage back to Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and that's about as far back as y'all can go. But you came from Europe. Most of you just East Texas rednecks, okay? Country folks from the word go. So don't worry about it. You're not going to be in the chosen 12 tribes. You've missed out on that. But. Because of the salvation, you're in the Gentiles. It's going to be saved by grace and have been, and you'll have your special place in heaven. So that's the difference. All right. So as Jesus taught the Jews, he was, because they were God's chosen people, he needed to set them straight first. That's why God sent him to the Jews. But he intended, because the Jews would reject Jesus, and they have pretty well as a whole rejected him, he sent his salvation to the Gentiles. You're in a period now of the Gentiles, and it, it, there's a specific years that's been set aside for the Gentiles to carry the message of Christ. That's why the church is primarily non-Jewish, because you're the Gentiles, and you've been given this opportunity to bear witness of Jesus Christ. But Old and New Testament is relevant to you. And so when we read in the Old Testament, you're seeing God's character. You're seeing God's attitude and what he looks for. You see the attitude of people. Because I promise you, we act just like they did throughout time. And so that's why, and I'm, that's why I'm going to, Contrast some of these verses in Ecclesiastes 11 to the New Testament to show you they're the same thing. All right, verse 1. Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Some, will, some translations will say, and it will return to you. It's a scripture a lot of people love to, to speak. Most people don't understand what it means. Casting your bread. Bread was a staple in people's lives. And if you were wealthy and did well, you had a lot of bread. So when we read verses 1 and 2, let's put them together. He said, cast your bread upon the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. In other words, take your wealth, take what you've been given by God, and share it with those around. Now, that's, that's the meaning behind it, uh, is to learn to share and to give and bless other people. Turn over with me to Matthew chapter 10. See what Jesus said about something real similar. 
and it'll be in verse 42. Okay. And whoever in the name of the disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. So what is he teaching his disciples? To look after people, to minister, to make a difference in people's lives. To share what you've got and do it in the name of the Lord. So he's teaching an Old Testament concept. And this is the, what he means here about casting your bread and to share that. Same concept. See, it worked. You go from right there, you go all the way over there. You don't believe me? What's going over to Paul when he wrote to the, the Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 9. I mean Galatians. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we, are, we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Is this not casting your bread upon the waters? Doing good, ministering, touching people's lives. So you see, it works. God didn't do away with the Old Testament. It carries throughout Scripture of making a difference in, in people's lives. And that's what the writer's bringing up right here when he's encouraging folks to share what they have and not hoard it up. If you and I almost picked some verses out of um, chapter seven and all, it talks about the vanity of of wealth and all that. And I thought, well, I don't have any wealthy people in here to worry about it. But uh, it, basically, it talks about a working man sleeps well, whether he ate a lot or ate little. That at night he was able to lay down and go to sleep because he's worked, he's earned his way. He's talking about the blessing. And he talks about those who are wealthy have trouble sleeping. Even though their belly's full, they have trouble sleeping. A lot of times they're worried about somebody stealing what they got. Or, or they're worried about losing it. Or they're trying to figure out how to get some more of what they got when they can't spend what they've already got. So he's talking about that. And then he comes over here to share with it, to live the kind of life and be be thankful you've got what you you do. Apostle Paul over in the New Testament also, when he's talking to Timothy, he said, "Be um, I'm trying to use the word he used, but be content. If you have food or and clothing or covering, be content, because there's not what more in life is there than just being." proud of what you've got and being content. He wasn't discouraged in having anything, but learn to be content because if, if your whole life is being wasted toward trying to get more and more and more, you're missing out on the joy of life. There, there are individuals who spend their whole life and all of a sudden they look around one day and their children's grown up and There's an old song. Boy, I wish I had the memory I should have. Uh, Cats in the Cradle. Y'all heard that song. Cats in the Cradle. Talking about the silver spoon. 
man goes through life and his little boy wants him to play and he and the little boy always, no matter when daddy tells him no, he said, Daddy, I want to grow up just like you. And then all of a sudden he's old and he calls his son up and and uh, and wants him to come by. And he said, well, I'm busy and my kids are sick with the flu and I can't, but it's been good talking to you. And at the end of the song, he said, the cat's in the cradle. And he turned out just like me. You've got a few years on this earth. We need to work. Be proud of what we got. Do what we do and enjoy the little special things in life that makes you who you are. And sharing with one another, being part of a... I guarantee you, when you live in a little community like this, you ought to thank your your God every day that you're blessed to be in this. It may look better outside. It may look more enhancing and have more opportunities. But there's no place other than right here where you'll find a neighbor that cares about you. We stood out in, in 102-degree weather Sunday afternoon, probably 100 folks, to say goodbye to a woman who's already dead. Only people that cared about somebody would do that and honor the family, honor her life, and put up with that. That was a testimony. Right there, not only to Betty, but the friends she had and the family she had. I remember being in seminary and a man died, or a man's wife died, and we, Barbara and I went to the funeral home and nobody was there, not even all his family at the visitation. And I was overwhelmed because everybody had just honored this man and woman six months prior to all the work they'd done in the church. But when she died, He's sitting there by himself. They've been married like 78, 70 years. I mean, been married forever, been in that community. But all those folks from the church had made a big day about it, didn't bother to come by and hug his neck, shake his hand, or sit down with him, except two strangers that barely knew him. And I thought, my goodness. If this had happened in Naples and Omaha, they'd be lined up outside waiting to see the family. Y'all been there. Y'all stood in these lines. Dangerfield, Hugh Spring, you've been there. But it's not always that way. And that's why we're blessed. And when we cast our bread out and we make a difference in people's life, it comes back to us. And it touches your life again. So there it is. That's what he's talking about. He goes on in verse 3. He says, if the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. That's what we need right now, some clouds that are full. And he, he, he ties his in. I had to think about this. And he says, whether a tree falls towards the south or towards the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. And I thought, well, yeah. What? I had to really ponder on this one a little bit try to figure this out and then I thought well what he's saying is when your life is dead and you fall and you die you're there it's, you can't do anything else it ties right in with these first two scriptures that that when your life is over there's no change you're, it's, it's done you're not going to make a difference in the earth you're not going to make a difference in anybody else yeah Stephen's with the Lord right now because of his faith 
but there's nothing else he can do here on earth. I, I was up here. I came in here and made sure everything was going. And he sat around. I turned the music on and was sitting back there and just enjoying. I thought, there ought to be a guy pulling up in a Jeep. He would be here between 4.30 and 5 o'clock, whether I was feeding or not. If I was feeding, he'd be here at 4.30. But he wanted to come and visit. He wanted to be up here. And that, I missed that. I mean, he could bug me to death, but I missed because I was used to him showing up. He was. He was always going to be here. Sunday morning, he got here early, didn't he, Randall? He was ready. He wanted to eat. He wanted to visit. But when you die, it's all over with. There's nothing else can be done. So do what you can while you're alive and well. Minister, touch somebody's life while you have an opportunity because when that body falls down, it's just there. And it's not gonna it's not gonna provide shade. No birds could live in this tree. No nest could be built to raise babies. No leaves would fall to feed the, the worms and the bugs on the ground. No no animal could escape a predator and climb up the tree because it's gone. Because a lot of times you're the protection, sometimes you're the provider, sometimes you're just the comfort people but when you're gone you're gone and you just lay there verse 4 he said he who watches the wind will not sow and he who looks at the clouds will not reap y'all don't we don't know a lot about sowing but if you're going to spray your pastures when do y'all typically spray when you got to spray don't spray around Randall's house when the wind's blowing out of the south. You will kill his tomatoes and you will damage his peach trees and he will not let you forget it. No matter how far away you stay from the fence, there will be a couple drops of drift get over there and I still hear it. But when it's wind blowing, I mean, if you, first of all, this spring, if you waited for it to be calm, you never would have sprayed anything. Because the wind blew all the time. That's what he's saying. You can't wait for the weather to be perfect to cast your seed. Don't wait for everything to be just right to to go do it or it won't ever happen. And, and so when you're doing your good, do it while you have an opportunity. Don't try to find that perfect time. Don't put it off. But go ahead and do it while the opportunity is there. Just as you do not know the path of the wind, and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. And that's a true statement. We don't know what God's doing, but when he gives you an opportunity to do something, then you're there to do it right then. That's when you cast your breath. You, you can't schedule that. You, you, you can't plan that. It'll just be there. And sometimes it'll be right in the middle when you think you ought to be somewhere else. You need to go do something or, or, or be somewhere. And yet God says, here's an opportunity to touch somebody's life and make a difference. You know, So you see it in the morning. Do not be idle in the evening. 
for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. So he's making this comparison. Go ahead and do it while you got an opportunity. And do it when it's the time to plant. Because you don't know what's going on. And, and if you're sowing, we're going to probably a lot of us be trying to sow some winter wheat and ryegrass in the, in the next few weeks. Try to make it through the, the winter time. Well, if we wait for the perfect time, or I'm going to wait till it starts raining, you might be too late. I've seen it rain 20 inches in October before. You're not going to plow much ground around here if it rains 20 inches. So when it gets time, we better get the seed out and then let God let it rain on it when it's opportunity. The other thing is, if you plant too late, you're not going to get a stand and you're not going to get any grazing out of it anyway. So when the time comes, you better get the ground ready, sow that seed, and that's, that's exactly what we do spiritually. When the time is there, do it and let God provide the increase and take care of it. So here's a, a physical idea with a spiritual meaning that's being written there. So see, it all fits together. Uh, verse 7, the light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. In other words, there's, there's going to be times of darkness in your life, but be steadfast. Go through it. Enjoy the good. Th when somebody dies, we grieve a loss. But what normally happens after a few months when you lost a parent or somebody? What, what typically begin? What do you start remembering? Bad times or good times? You know, all the bad times, all the hard times begin to disappear. And all you really remember is all those good times you had with them. Catch yourself saying something mom or dad said that, that you promised your children you'd never say or do. You marry a woman that you promised you thought was just totally opposite of your mother, and you find out you married your mama's baby sister. I did. I, I promise you. She didn't even know my mama, but she got more of my mama's traits than I ever thought. She acts just like her. Huh? It is because I love my mama. I learned a long time ago, don't ever compare her cooking to my mama's cooking. Because she cooked so much better. She did in the first month or two, but I learned to make sure she did. But isn't it amazing that we begin to find out things a lot of time reflects back on somebody that you love? Could be them, a father or a mother, maybe it's an uncle. It could be anybody. But you begin to gravitate to these individuals and you'll remember those verse 9 he said rejoice young man during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes yet know that god will uh, bring you to judgment for all these things so he's telling you to do all these things but he's reminding you that god will judge you too so indulge yourself do things but remember don't go too far 
because God's going to hold you accountable. But enjoy life. And if there's anything being robbed from our children right now, I think it's their childhood. I, I really believe our children are being robbed of their childhood. They're being forced to be adults, and they're not allowed to just play and use their imagination. And, and just turn around and look out there. Look at that. Those kids are happy as a lark out there, just running and playing, imagination, pretending to be something, chasing one another, and just having a blast. Because they're out of place where they can do it, and you don't have to worry about somebody really coming and stealing them. First of all, if they stole some of them, they'd bring them back to you. Just put your name on the collar because they'll bring them home. But do you not remember when you were a kid and you just enjoyed life? I know most of you worked and didn't enjoy all of it. But, man, I had a good time. I, I, I enjoyed the people I was around, and, and, and they were blessings to me. And uh, a lot of children don't have that. They don't have a good home. They don't have a good mom or dad. They're forced to, little, sometimes 10-year-old kids are forced to be mom and dad to baby sister and brother because mom's high and daddy's gone and they left alone. But he says, enjoy your childhood. Enjoy your young manhood. And then realize God's going to watch over you. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the uh, and the prime of life are fleeting. Boy, I couldn't wait till I grew up, and now I wished I could go back. I look around it. There was a time you could throw a dime on the on the ground, and I would hit my knee so quick you couldn't. You couldn't get it. No way you would have got it from me. You throw a dime down there now, and I look down there, you got a quarter. If I'm going to go down there, it better be worth my while. It just seemed like so quickly it's gone. We better enjoy it because it, it moves so fast. Yes. What he? But uh, so whenever you read the Old Testament, read it a little bit as historical, but read it in light of the New Testament, and you'll find out it's filled with New Testament ideas. And if somebody ever tells you it's not relevant, they've thrown out 39 books of the most valuable scripture that God had. It's anointed by God, it's been kept by God, and it's usable by God's people. I love it. I love the Old Testament because it is relevant. But a lot of people want to pick and choose certain things and they'll have some lame brain excuse, but I understand the New Testament way better 
when I read the Old Testament and see what God's doing. I understand what he wants from me. And I understand why I do some of the things I do when I read the Old Testament. I also understand why some people do what they do. You realize the actions in America today directly coincide with what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? And what did God do with Sodom and Gomorrah? In a blazing fire, they became no more. Just a matter of moments, they were gone. Because it was so sinful. So we haven't changed. We haven't got any worse. But we're sure not any better either. We're running the same pattern because humans act the same as humans always have, and God is acts the same as God always has. You turn to Him, He'll take you and receive you. He'll forgive you. You turn away from Him, He'll let you go the path you choose. He's the same to yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but we are too. No one, I tell you, God sends no one to hell. They send themselves. They make the choice where they'll spend eternity when they reject Christ. So God's not in the business of destroying people. He's in the business of redeeming people. But you turn down his redemption, you turn down his forgiveness, then you've chosen the path that you want to go on. And that's where people are going. And they love darkness instead of light. So I love it. We'll... we'll We'll dig around in this word a little bit more, and then uh, we'll we'll start when I get back uh, from my trip to Branson, Missouri, and uh, which will be uh, I think the fourteenth when is our first Wednesday night. I'll be back. I'll be gone from Monday through Saturday. Caleb will be in charge. If you need something, call him. And, uh, he don't want his number out there. <laughs> but if you call me, I'll, I'll, I'll put him on it. But my wife and I are going to go and enjoy the mountains for a few days and uh, just enjoy it. I'm scouting out a trip for y'all. Okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm scouting out a trip for y'all to go. So I'm, I'm such a considerate individual. And stuff. So... Uh, uh, but we will be back. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to have a good time between now and then. Uh, August is slowing down. but September, we've got some kind of show up here. Are you ready for that? I can't wait till she can move those thumbs because I never know. There's thumbs up, but I don't know what she's thinking. But But we'll... And, and Preford's going to help us with a lot of the panels that we need.
and loan us a lot of equipment that we're going to need. So they're jumping in there with us to help us. So we're getting a lot of help. And this this deal, I think, is really going to grow every year. And it's going to be a great show. Uh, we're going to purchase some panels, and then they're going to help us with some of the other things we need. Uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good deal. And in October, it's going to be extremely busy. Lots of stuff. Concert, fall festival, trunk or treat. Uh, so we'll have a lot. We have a play day in October. Nearly every weekend we have something in October. So it's going to be busy, busy on that. What are you going to bring with you Sunday morning when you get here? A smile and a good attitude. Don't let your fear get started. I'm going to try to get you wound up Sunday morning. Because I tell you, when you, that little encouragement, y'all began to step it up. And it helps our music people. It helps you. It helps me. We ought to be shouting with joy when we're singing and praising and, and be excited about what God's doing and stuff. And and, uh, and you can still do it with some restraint, but don't. Don't be afraid to stand up and raise your hand or, or, or sing out. If you sing out like I sing out, you have to get over in the corner and you do it when nobody can hear you. But I, I sang every song because I love those songs. They were powerful songs, and they're good. And uh, I love my Lord. So bring a good attitude, and you'll see great things happen, and uh, God's going to do it, okay? Father, we thank you once again. We come in closing and rejoice. May every soul here be blessed this week. Watch over them. Give them the things they need. Uh, give them some blessings along the way. Encourage them. Give them their health. And, uh, and, and give us the rain that we're looking forward to in this cooler weather. So it, it just help us all be prepared for fall and the, the work that's in front of us. Uh, bless our children and our grandchildren. and and the, the family members we have all around the world, uh, we just pray for them and their protection right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.